Vietnamese playground if we let them. Uh, so in January, on the 21st, we lost my brother at 34. And then in September of 2006, we lost my father. Uh, he was 62, and he had cancer, and it, it was in remission. He was doing great for a couple years, and then it just came back. And there was, there was like a, on a Thursday, it was I'm going in for a checkup, and I'm going in just to get some tests run. And then, you know, within a week, he was in hospice. Everything just happened so quickly. And when, so I don't, I don't want to dwell on those, I don't want to dwell on that too much because we all, we all understand, you know, the depth of sorrow that you feel when someone is, when someone is gone. But what, what that reminded me of, you know, because at the time I was, I was teaching, I had classrooms full of 17 year olds that were going to show up you know, that regardless of what was going on in my schedule, I was leading worship at the time. I was the only worship leader at our church. And so I needed to make sure that I was there. Um, and I was supported by everybody around me, but there's, there was, I didn't feel like I could take a break. I didn't feel like I could stop doing what I needed to do. And I was worried at the time that, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to burn out. I'm going to get I'm, uh, there's already a weight on me and I'm going to keep moving forward and moving forward and, and never have time to really rest. And what, what I found is that, well, what I found is, is, is that God's word is true. What I found, we talked about this last week in Matthew 5, 3, and in the easy to read version, which is the greatest version ever written, it says, blessed are those who understand that they're spiritually in need for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. What I, what I was able to come to terms with personally, losing a brother, six months later losing a father, and having, having life have to go on, is I found that the kingdom of heaven is, is there for us when we're in mourning, when we realize that we're spiritually in need, when we can't do it on our own, and when we, when we feel like, I, I, I can't go on, I can't make it. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell them on, in the Sermon on the Mount on that day, on that hillside. We talked about this a little bit last week. He was trying to tell them, even all of you who have felt for so long like you have to be wealthy, you have to be rich, you have to be elite, you have to be to inherit good things. I'm telling you that that's not what that's not what I'm talking about. I'm telling you that, that in order to inherit the very best things, you just, you just need to be open. You just need to rid yourself of your, the, the, the self-centeredness, rid yourself of the grief, rid yourself of, of all of these things that we hold on to inside. Uh, in Matthew, Matthew 5, 3, he says, blessed are those who understand that they're spiritually in need. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And during that time, as my understanding of what it meant to be spiritually in need deepened, I learned the real connection to today's scripture, which is, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted it would have been impossible for me to have been comforted if I hadn't recognized that I had a need, if I hadn't been emptied of everything that, you know, that I could hold on to. 
it was when I realized oh, I'm spiritually in need that I understood in a deeper way, oh, the kingdom of heaven is here for me now. The kingdom of heaven is here. The comforter has come for me. And, it, and it's because I can't comfort myself. It's because it's beyond my ability. Another, another way that this, this might read is there's peace even in difficult days because we will experience the provision, the purpose, and the presence of God. And for any, uh, you know, a lot of us have, have gone through various, various versions of mourning, of being uh, just bereft and, and empty of the ability to continue on because we're, we're in such a state of sorrow. And, and I just want to say that this morning, even this morning, the spirit is here. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. And I, I, as, as we go through the message, I just want to give us an opportunity as we're closing just, just to pray and to receive from the comforter if you're in need of that this morning. But I just want to encourage you that he's here. Jesus said way back in, way back in olden times, as I used to say when I was a kid, olden times, which is like any time before like 1950, you know, is what that felt like for me when I was a kid. Um, but I know this is terrible. I'm so sorry. I don't think that now, but sure, when I was a kid, right? Right, sure. Um, but just as Jesus was saying back then, the comforters come, he didn't go anywhere. He's still here. He's still here. The kingdom of God is available to all of us today, just like it was then, just like it was yesterday, just like it was in 2006 when we were grieving so terribly. It's here today. So as Jesus was talking to the people on the hillside that day, remember that uh, the blessings that he's describing and the Beatitudes, they're not prescriptive. They're not, as we've said before, they're not like tips for good living, tips for being successful in the world. They're descriptive. They're, he's more describing what the kingdom is like and who's eligible to receive from it. And remember, as we mentioned last week, he's made the heart the standard of measurement. Not what you have accomplished, not what you have earned, not what kind of influence you have, not how good looking you are. He's made the heart the standard of measurement, which means that everybody, whether they've got nothing or they've got everything by the world standards, everybody's on a level playing field because the heart is separate from all of these things that we tend to gravitate towards and hold on to and think are so incredibly important. The Lord said the only thing he's looking at is the heart. So, one of the, one of the problems that we, <laughs> there's, uh, there's, a, there's a phrase, you know, like, the, the only problem with the scripture is that I don't agree with it, right? Uh, so, <laughs> there, there, there's that. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's the word of God, but I don't agree with it. So, this is problematic. Um, but, uh, but I'm sure that when we hear, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. When you're in the middle of mourning, you don't feel it. You don't feel like that's true. Um, and I think that there's a couple of things I want to get into today. Uh, it's just some preconceptions that we have that I think create that resistance to it for us. And the first thing 
We struggle with mourning because we think that bad things shouldn't happen to good people. Bad things shouldn't happen to good people. I'm doing everything I should. I'm being nice. I'm not even speeding. You know, it's like I'm doing everything perfectly. Bad things shouldn't happen to me. But that is actually one of the biggest misrepresentations of Christianity that we're, we're sold, right? Um, it, going back, throwing out Prince's Bride references, right? Life is pain, highness. Anybody who tells you differently is selling something, right? right I know, right? Uh, God never promised us a perfect earth. I mean, if we've read about the prophets in the Old Testament, we know. If we've read about the, the disciples, we know. Like, they were doing some stuff right, and things still went wrong. Um, in uh, Hebrews 11, 35 and 40, there were others who were tortured, persecuted, and mistreated. I said it wasn't going to be a downer message. I'm really sorry about this. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So, Bad things do happen to good people, and bad things happen to us as Christians. We know that, right? The difference is, like uh, the Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. The difference is that if you're in God, you're closer to the umbrella, right? It rains on the just and the unjust alike, but in Christ, I know where the umbrella is. I don't have to stand out in the rain all the time. Um, Some people will say, like, God isn't fair. Have you ever heard that? Anybody ever heard bad things happen to them? Like, God, that's not fair, That's true. God is not super interested in being fair, I don't think. Because if he were, we would be paying for all of our sins. Right? If God were fair, we wouldn't have to pay the price for sin ourselves. It's grace. We don't get what we do deserve. And so if we can flip the script a little bit and think, yeah, God isn't fair, thankfully. Because look at what our sin hath wrought. But Jesus came to pay for that, so I didn't have to. So we, we don't get we do what we deserve sometimes, but we do get to experience undeserved provision, undeserved comforting, undeserved protection, undeserved healing. None of these things are things that we deserve by our own works. We're justified through faith, by grace. And God pours these things out to us regardless of what we've done. So thank you, God, for not being fair by my standards. So the, the belief that faith is going to spare us or exempt us from pain is, uh, is it's bad theology. It's also kind of immature theology. Um, thinking that Jesus spares us from a life of pain leads us to being disappointed in God a lot. Because, you know, as once again, as Wesley said, life kind of is pain. And anybody who tells you differently is selling something. Um, so God doesn't spare us from pain. Uh, he heals us when we've gone through pain. He doesn't always spare us from it, though. What he does do is he gives us the freedom to choose our own way. He gives us the freedom to have some agency in our own lives. And then when that agency in our own lives has led us down a path that brings pain, he comes to rescue us from ourselves and save us from the stuff that our own brokenness creates. In 2 Timothy 4.18, says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack 
and he will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. We see that in Genesis all the way through to the ministry of Jesus. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. So when we're in the middle of a, of a difficult time, sometimes it's really hard to see how God is working, but we just have to trust that he is. It's hard to see how he's doing it. But if we knew everything he knew, we would be God and we wouldn't need him. One of our main struggles also, by the way, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, like the only trouble with that scripture is that I don't agree with it. That's one of our big problems with pain as well. Pain hurts, right? I don't like pain because pain hurts. I don't like it. We don't like pain. We don't see the purpose in it, right? There's um, Chris Vallotton is a minister at Bethel Church, and he's got this phrase. He said, vision gives pain a purpose. If you can see beyond this momentary instance of pain, if you can see what's happening down the road, then it gives that pain a purpose and it allows you to go through it because you can see what's producing in you. We think that pain always means that something is wrong. We think pain means that we've done something incorrect because we live in a natural world with natural consequences. We see laws of cause and effect. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. You know, crime and punishment, all this, all this kind of stuff. What what that does is it brings us into this, once again, this place of immature theology where, and you see people getting into this, where they view God as a tyrant. They view God as somebody who's like lording over everyone, waiting for you to mess up. And then he can lower the boom. Then he can punish you. We see God as being punitive when in reality, God's a loving father. God's a loving father. And Parents who love their kids will allow them to go through stuff. Parents who love their kids will allow them to go through stuff. You don't want them to get so far away that you can't be there and help. You don't want them to be so far away that you don't have a relationship and you can't speak into what they're going through. But you know as a parent that if they're going through something, it's going to produce something in them right? A tyrant inflicts hardships to try to force allegiance, but a father allows hardships to produce character. That's the difference. That's the difference. Uh, one of my favorite bands, Switchfoot, John Foreman's an amazing songwriter, and he, uh, this song comes to me every now and then, and I, whoop, Adrian and I are like nerds for, for Switchfoot. So is David Morgan. Um, so... <laughs> so he's got a song called The Shadow Proves the Sunshine. The Shadow Proves the Sunshine. And that line just gets me every time. Because even in instances where there's something blocking my way, there's something obscuring it, and I can't feel the light on my face, the fact that I'm in shadow points to the fact that all around me is light. Otherwise, no shadow would be produced. Right? So the shadow proves the sunshine. God's more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. He's more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. First uh, Peter uh, 1, 6 and 7 says, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. 
though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. When our faith is strengthened through trial, what the scripture is saying is it actually brings praise to us from God. God looks at how we're staying in faith, how we're enduring, how we're keeping our eyes set upon him. And he says, that's good. Well done. You're doing great. You're doing great. It reveals him in our life. It reveals, because people, you know, the natural thing to do when trials hit, the natural thing to do when, when hard times hit is, is to react with anger, with frustration, to start blaming things, to, to start, you know, like looking, scrounging around for answers like rats on a sinking ship. We just, we just look for anything we can to try and make us feel better. But to stay in faith, to stand in faith, and even in the middle of trial to know, my God's got this. I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to bow to the lesser instincts of my humanity. Instead, I'm going to do like the scripture says and lift my eyes because I know that's where my help comes from. When we do that, that's not human nature being revealed in us. When we do that and we respond to trial in faith, that's God being revealed in people. That's the nature of Christ who went through the scourging, who went through the shame, who went through the crucifixion and still lifted his eyes to the father and said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. That is the reaction that shows a difference from the world's ways. That's the reaction that reveals the nature and the character of Christ. And that's the reaction that we're all called to. That's what we should be doing. That's our normal. That's supposed to be our spiritual normal. When we react in faith to trial, it reveals God in our life. And it's an investment into that greater purpose. I said this before in order to, if you want to make a difference, you got to be different. You can't be the same and make a difference. It doesn't work. You can't do what everybody does and say, well, why isn't anybody seeing Christ in me? Because it doesn't work that way. In order to make a difference, you have to be different. And especially in our response to trials, in our response to pain, in our response to hardships, when we find ourselves in the shadow and we're still declaring, nope, there's sunshine. There's sunshine all around. I'm in the shadow for sure, but I know that the sun is still shining and I'm just, I'm just standing in faith. I'm waiting. I'm moving forward just to see that day. Breakthrough is coming. When we make that stance, it's different than the world around us. And it brings glory to God and it draws people to him. Jesus, Jesus said, if I'll be lifted up, then I'll draw people to me. And when we lift up our Lord, instead of lifting up our trial, when we make him the object of our worship instead of the situation, it draws people to him. And that's our purpose here. That's our purpose here. Jesus is trying to teach us to appreciate, this sounds so backwards, right? So many of the things Jesus says just sound so backwards. He's trying to get us to appreciate our days of mourning. Appreciate this, the, the losses that we go through and see a greater purpose in them. 
Another reason why this verse, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. Another reason why it's challenging is because we think that we know what's best. We think we've got the right answer, right? Once again, coming back to parents. Parents, you know more than your kids. I know that you know this, but sometimes when they tell us that we don't know things, we feel like maybe I don't know more than my kids. But we've seen more. We know more. Maybe not about fashion, but we do know more. We've been down some roads before. That doesn't mean that the restrictions that we put on our kids are going to be met with a lot of thankfulness. Our kids don't always think that we're doing it right. From their perspective, they're right. And they're actually a lot more reasonable than we are from their perspective. God feels the same way with us sometimes, right? I'm his kid. He knows better, but there are times when I think, God, you just don't get it. You just totally don't get it, God. We need to do this my way. And then things will work out fine. And God's saying, I've been down not only this road, but every single road that ever existed. And I'm going to tell you, that's not the way that works. That's not how that works out. Oh, man, I was about to geek out, Chris, and do a whole Doctor Strange Marvel thing. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. It's so true. So true. I've seen 14 million versions of this, and I can tell you the one way that it comes out right. Right? That's what God's saying to us. Like, I've seen all versions of this. My way is actually the right way. Uh, Isaiah 55 Eight and nine says, this plan of mine, God is telling us, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. God's well aware that our plans differ from him. And he's already told us in Isaiah, yeah, my plan, I get it. It's not what you would work out. It's not going to make sense to you but it's because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. You can't conceive of how this is going to work out because literally you can't conceive it. Trust me. Trust me. I'm, I'm doing something in the middle of this situation that, that you don't understand. Any Garth Brooks fans? All right. Come on now. Yeah. Remember the song Unanswered Prayers? Uh, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered. Gabby, you need to listen to that song. I saw you go, uh, I don't know that one. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, right? Um, what's the chorus? Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Think of some of the things that we've prayed for prayed to be spared from, prayed to be removed from, prayed to have happen in our lives. Oh God, if you would just do this one thing that I want, uh, life would be great. I know this is your will. And then it didn't happen. And if you look back so many times, you give a big, I'm so glad (laughs) that didn't work out that way. I was a little, I was a little off, but this time, God, I swear this one thing, do this one. I'm, I'm on it now. So, God will give us the peace and the assurance that we need, even if he's not removing the pain from us, even if he's not removing us from the situation, even if he's not working it out the way we think it should, he's producing something in us. 
And we'll look back and we'll say, God, your grace was absolutely more than enough during that situation. I look back at the year 2006 and I think, God, your grace was more than enough. Went from, uh, in, in, uh, in September, went from, you know, doing the memorial for my father into leading worship the following Sunday. And I, I didn't know how that was going to go. But I've got to tell you, his grace was sufficient, more than sufficient. And what I found there is that I realized how spiritually in need I was. And I, God was able to take me into a depth of worship in the middle of having to lead people in it, a depth of worship that I had not even approached before. You know, to know that I know that I know that I know that he's here and that as we worship him, he's moving. And as we lift him up, he's at work healing and restoring and saving and encouraging and speaking words of life to people. We experience that. And if anybody in here is is feeling brokenhearted today for any reason, we experience his grace. We experience that comforter as we worship, as we worship. And as we really receive the word, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures out to you. I'm going to read three scriptures out to you about just this. Isaiah 43, 2. God is our refuge and strength. And if you are, by the way, if you're experiencing some sort of like, I'm, I'm mourning something, whatever it is this morning, just receive this. Just like close your eyes, open up your heart and just receive this. Because I believe that this is, this is the word of God, but he's speaking this to you this morning. Okay, so I'm just declaring this. Father, I just ask that your spirit would go on the words that we're speaking and that you would just minister what you need to, work, to minister in people's hearts right now. I declare this over you. If you're brokenhearted today, Isaiah 43, 2. God is your refuge and strength. He, I'm sorry, Psalm 46, 1. God is your refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in your time of trouble. He is ever-present in your time of trouble. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, the Lord says, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Jeremiah 1.8 says, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of this situation for I am with you. I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Matthew 28.20, Jesus said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So God is really interested in our character development. He's interested in comforting us when we're in times of mourning. We're going to take a quick look at at the Apostle Paul and his journey from mourning to comfort. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. 
We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but instead rely on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. That's 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. And in that last scripture there, Paul focuses on kind of three aspects of going from a state of mourning to a state of comfort. We're going to go through them really quickly. Number one, refocus on what's happening in you, not to you. Refocus, and I'm going to make this personal. I'm going to refocus on what's happening in me, not to me. That's in this scripture, uh, verse nine. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but rely on God who raises the dead. Remember that the tyrant versus the, the father. We need to view God as a loving father. A tyrant is one who uses hardships to try to force people into allegiance. God is one who allows hardships so that he can build character in us. He's right there watching us go through it. There if we need him, ready to rescue but he's going to allow us to have things developed and he's going to allow us to go through the fire, right? Um, he challenges us because we love us. We can, we can look at it uh, this way. I say this a lot, not here, but I've said it a lot for years, is that wherever you find yourself, there's either something God wants you to learn or to do or to become before he's going to let you move on. You find yourself in a place, you find yourself going around that same mountain again and again and again. Lord, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to learn? Lord, who do you want me to become? What are you growing in me? Because I want to move forward. So we can either look at these painful situations. Our pain is either a jail that imprisons us or it's a school that shapes us. I'm going through this pain. I'm going through this situation where I'm, I'm feeling mourning. God's either trying to, he's trying to teach me something or he's trying to grow something in me. So I need to ask God, not, not God deliver me from this trouble, but God in the middle of this trouble, what are you trying to build in me? Let that come. Let that be built. Second thing from Paul, we need to remember that God always delivers. He always delivers. Mailman don't even come on Sunday, but God always delivers, right? That's in verse 10. He's delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we've set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Now you're asking, well, how does Paul know? How does Paul know that God always delivers? It's because that he's seen it before. He's seen God deliver him time and time and time and time again. Patrick Henry, in 1775, uh, you know, before, before we were writing the Declaration of Independence, the, Patrick Henry, in his give me liberty or give me death speech, he's writing about the British. He said, I, I have only one lamp to guide my feet, and that's the lamp of experience. And so I have no way of judging the future except by the past. He's talking about like the, you know, British and American relations. I have no way to know how, what you're going to do except by judging what you've already done. And then I can make my decision. And I feel like when we're talking about God's deliverance, it's the same for us. 
I, in my life, I've seen God deliver me time and time and time and time and time again. So by that, I need to be able to predict that next situation, he's going to do it again. He's faithful. He's faithful. Third thing, and what Paul is doing here, he's uh, in, in verse 11, is rely on solid relationships. He says, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted in answer to the prayers of many. Paul went from mourning to comfort because he had a group of people who was willing to stand with him and pray for him. We put a lot of focus on groups around here. By the way, thank you, Pam and Harold. Um, We put a lot of focus on groups because there's a lot of stuff that we go through. And the more people you are surrounded with that can pray with you and believe for you and encourage you and spend time with you and just listen to you sometimes, the more people you have that are close to you who can do that, the better set up you are to move forward. So rely on solid relationships. That's what Paul was doing. Our trials can produce something in us if we let them. Our trials can produce something in us if we let them. I'm going to close here with 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. This is Paul writing. And this is at a time when he was near death. He was being stoned. They were hoping to kill him and they didn't. He had a vision of heaven and the Lord was speaking to him and it said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Once again, one of the backwards things that Jesus teaches us. When I'm weak, I'm strong. And it's because of Matthew 5.3. Blessed are those who understand that they're spiritually in need, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, um, we're going to close in worship because I think it's one of the best things that we could possibly do is worship. Um, I just, I wanted to uh, and ask our prayer team, Paula and the prayer team, um, could we just have prayer team just sort of around the room? They're surrounding you. You can't get away. They're everywhere. <laughs> so we have our prayer team members stationed around the room. I want to pray, and then, uh, and then we're going to worship together. And while we're worshiping, we've been talking about mourning, about going through hardships, about, uh, and about ways to go from mourning into comfort. And so I just wanted to, we'd be remiss if we didn't open this up to anybody in this room today who's feeling a loss. Now, we have prayer team members around the room. You you can go to one of them and they will pray with you. They'll pray for the comforter to come. They'll agree with you for God's will to be done and for his purposes to be produced in your life through whatever it is that you're going through. And if you just need a hug, they'll hug you too. Yeah. Um, but you, you may not feel like, I don't, this is personal. I don't want anybody to pray with me right now. That's fine too. But this is a moment that we have here. The Holy Spirit is here. The comforter has come in this room today. So if there's any, anybody here who's feeling, this, feeling a sense of loss, you want to 
you want to let go. You want the comfort comforter to come to you. And you want to see what God's trying to produce in you. If you need a vision that is going to give this pain a purpose, then this moment is for you. And as we're worshiping, just ask God. And if you need prayer, come find somebody. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray, and then we're going, to, we're going to worship together. Father, we just ask for your spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being in this room with us. We know that you're here. We ask that you would open up our eyes and our ears and our, and our hearts to be able to sense you and feel you in this room. But regardless, God, we just ask for you to come and minister what you need to minister to us today. We thank you that you created today for this moment. We want to take advantage of this moment, God. So we ask you to move through this room, heal hearts, restore what's been broken. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you are so faithful to come and rescue us in our time of need. For anybody who's in the shadows this morning, God, I just ask that you would show them the sunshine. That you would speak to their hearts. You'd be an encouragement to them. In Jesus' name.